So, ladies and gentlemen, in this next segment, um, you see, I feel as though that I can't do it justice. I feel as though that me trying to sit here and explain to you what happened in the night or the nights in question um, wouldn't do any good. But I will give my take on what I think, seeing as though that I'm sort of the podcast host, I wouldn't call myself the star of the show, you know, putting that in air quotes, by the way, because... You know, my opinion in the grand scheme of things isn't really the ultimate opinion, you know. Um, I'm here simply to create a medium to criticize and show exactly how, if done correctly, long-term booking could quite possibly tell you a great story. Imagine, for instance, you're a son and a father, and... or mother and a daughter, or a son and a daughter, for instance, or a son and a daughter, I didn't mean to say that, a father and a daughter, for instance, and the one thing that you, um, uh, you bond over is something like a sports game or professional wrestling. I wouldn't really see sports, you know, like baseball or whatever, but to each is their own. If baseball is your wrestling, then I guess that's that's great. I just don't see the appeal in it. You know, like people talk about building cars. Oh my God, I built this car and huh, spent so much time and so much work and so much money and so much effort and all this yada yada dog shit, dog shit, dog shit. You know, for me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. And, and, um, are you proud of yourself? Because I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, but anyway, um, to get off the to get off of that i want you guys possible wrestling fans sports fans to hear from the man of the hour who turned a family against one another who over the course of 9 months told people that he had nothing to do with the um deliberate interim progression of this biker gang or for that matter of this um club this aces and eights and for those of you who don't know if um you're you're playing against like gang members or something like that it's commonly referred to as a dead man's hand if you lose and let's say that you were, you know, you were playing a game and it was for your soul and someone else, your opponent had the aces and the eights, you know. So in in retrospect, that's literature, you know, that's once again, something else done correctly. The name of the group, aces and eights, literally a dead man's hand, especially for your opponent. I mean, how can you win if your opponent stacks the deck in their favor? Do you see what's happening here? These are all terms that are literally saying that you can't win against them. So how are you going to win against them? Now, the common... I mean, this is professional wrestling, but in real life, how would you win against them? You would either... 
I mean, they're a part of Impact Wrestling. They've all got contracts. You would fire them. Okay, you guys have clearly done enough shenanigans on my show, on my time. You know, you're clearly wasting my time. You're burning my fucking building down. You're dating my daughter, and you told her that you loved her nine months ago. And this whole time, it's been nothing but shenanigans after shenanigans after shenanigans. And you've looked me in my eyes nearly seven to ten times and told me that you've had nothing to fucking do with it. But yet, you continue... Because he's working behind the scenes. Do you see how many layers are going here right now? But I'm going to let the man speak for himself. His name's Bully Ray. And um, he's about to break down what was plan A. plan A was simple. Win the Bound for Glory series and then win the World Heavyweight title. And consequently, the first night of the Bound for Glory series is, uh... That's the night Sting got jumped by my boys. Who are these guys? The aces and eights were created for shock and awe. Complete anarchy. And every single dead man's hand dealt by me so week after week the questions are popping up who's behind the aces and eights and all it took was a simple small suggestion to bobby Roode, and he completely ran with it i know who's behind all these attacks the cowboy james storm I have no connection at all with these guys. We made sure that every single sign pointed at the cowboy, Gene Storm. They attacked everybody but you. I was racking up points in the Bound for Glory series. The Storm, he was the scapegoat. Who are you trying to kid? You're guilty as charged. What a crazy set of circumstances. In this tables match involving aces and eights. But he got himself 20 points. But he's terrified that aces and eights around here somewhere. And Storm, after we were done with you, we were cool with letting the whole world know. All I had to do was win at no surrender. And Storm, you played right into my hand. Chose me. Last year, you ended my chance for glory. This year, I'm ending yours. I called B. Root on the phone again. And I did what I do best. I stirred him up. Bobby, how the hell are you going to go and let James Storm be in the main event of Bound for Glory instead of you? Bobby's head was going crazy. This was my night. But Hulk, you were just a little smarter. You locked us out. Every damn entrance and every exit around this building. But on that night, I gotta give credit where credit is due. Jeff Hardy, you're a lot tougher than I thought. Hardy is down for glory! So I came up with a new plan. And Hulk, you brought it right to me. The champions, Austin Aries and Bobby. 
So I I I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I didn't watch this beforehand, so I didn't know exactly what Plan A was. And um, I haven't watched this in a few years. And the last time that I did watch it was a review that I had watched um, of Brian Zane, who did a review of the long-term booking of the Aces and Eights. He didn't exactly do a review on the aftermath like I'm looking at here. This is like one week after their uh, pay-per-view, or it's like the, the day after the pay-per-view rather than just one week. So if their pay-per-views are on Sunday... And their next um, show, and I'm pretty sure that Impact Wrestling had a show every Thursday, uh, one show a week, much like me. But this will be my second show uh, this week because I feel as though that I lowballed my audience by giving them some sort of, <laughs> I'm putting them in air quotes, explanation to something that never really happened. But that's why I lost my job and it was just weighing on me. So I was like, oh man, you know, I can't just. I can't focus, you know, I couldn't focus knowing that that was looming in the air. So I just thought that I'd get it out there and I needed someone to talk to, you know, and I don't have anyone to talk to. I can't go anywhere and talk to somebody without them, you know, running their mouth about it. I, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so weird. So it, it's, it's not important. I'm done playing politics right now. But anyway, what I mean to say is that what a sly little dog. What a sly fucker. He went ahead and he turned... He played the blame game so much that he blamed someone who was innocent and got them jumped, got them beat up, got them uh, accused of it. And then he played off of the insecurities of that person's best friend supposed best friend but I mean these two traveled the world together did James Storm and Bobby Roode <clears throat> and uh, they've probably been traveling the world for north of 15 years together they've uh, slept in hotel rooms together probably not with each other granted but yeah, I'm not trying to make any you know homosexual jokes you know he didn't say no homo after every hotel room that they left but, you know, James Storm always reminded me of, like, Steve Austin because he was always called the Tennessee Cowboy. And he would always come out and then he would always, like, drink a beer and, and raise some hell. And, you know, <laughs> he's sort of like a a, a PG-13 uh, Steve Austin, you know. I suppose a lot of other people can see that. But I'd never seen that segment before. And exactly what I said about the dead man's hand, and it, exactly what I said about how, and he's using the same references that I was using, something like, uh, you know, you played right into my hand. Well, plan A didn't exactly go to fruition, is what I'm trying to say um, in this segment here, because Jeff Hardy beat um, Bully Ray at the... Bound for Glory Finals, which is like a tournament that they do. Uh, submissions are worth like 10 points. Pinfalls are worth like 6 points. A count-out victory is worth like 2 points. Uh, you can, or maybe you can only advance via pinfall and submission. You know, disqualification is kind of not a thing 
for one reason or another. I will give Impact Wrestling its due. That this build nine months and Bully Ray, in case you you missed it, maybe you want to go back and listen. He said, and then. I saw what you brought to me, Hulk Hogan, which was basically a reference to the fact that Brooke Hogan got brought into the company and Bully Ray saw his opportunity, which to some people might seem like, you know, how old is Bully again at this time? Maybe, I mean, he looks like he's maybe in his 37, maybe 47, 42, somewhere around there. We'll say late 30s, you know, early 40s, even though I'd highly doubt it because he's been wrestling since he's been like 20, and that was in like 1999. You know, he hides it well, though. And Brooke Hogan, she's got to be like at least 27 at this time, 28. You know, she was just coming off of the heels of a reality show that they called Hogan Knows Best, which premiered on like MTV in like 2005. Oh, never mind. This was 2013. <laughs> never mind. Anyway, she also did like a music career, which flopped. She's done like uh, photo shoots. She's had like every fucking opportunity that you can ever imagine. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's It's so weird. You know, this entire episode, this entire concept is so weird, but it's to give you guys a good a good idea. Or uh, perhaps a good example of what long-term booking is. If I was to set my podcast up to be nothing but long-term booking, that would be great. But I can't do that because I don't have uh, amenities. I don't have resources or anything like that. In order for me to do that, I would have to plant the seeds to a story that would have to um, unfold over the weeks of 9, 10, 12, 18 months you know, down the road. And I would have to... Uh, essentially bank on the fact that there would be people here who would want to listen to that uh, unfold each and every week almost like it was a, a drama of some sort but like I said I don't have writers I don't have amenities or certain resources um, to to ensure that that's the case the best I can give you for my show my podcast as an example is all of the consistency that I have the cons just consistently uh, bringing you different um, different programming but at the same pace and at the same um, level you know all the same programming that I do bring you is on a consistent basis. I don't say something one week and then three weeks later I, I end up changing my mind because that would be inconsistent of me. I'm not Jim Cornette. I'm better than that. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm better than Jim Cornette. I'm saying that I'm better than the show that he puts on each and every week on his podcast because he tends to flip-flop on what people are paying him to say rather than just saying what's on his mind and being true and, um, y y you feel where I'm going with this? Rather than just being true and authentic about it is the word that I'm looking for. I'm looking for a certain adjective, but I couldn't find it.
when we got locked out, Plan B had to go into effect. Hogan, you took away what I wanted the most. You gotta applaud Jeff Hardy. He went on to Bound for Glory. He went on to win the World Heavyweight title. I had to find a new plan. And it was standing right in front of me. We need some, no, we we need need some help, help here. We need some help out here for Brooke. Hulk, you tried to make a fool out of me. But in turn, you made a fool out of yourself. Joseph Park, he became the bait. I'm just telling you, be careful where you stick your nose. I know people like this. You don't. Be careful. Let us go. I'll do it. You just need to make sure nobody hurts Parks. You got nothing to worry about. You have my word. See that little scene you just saw, Hulk? Know who that guy was? That was my brother, Devon. The guy you turned your back on. The guy you threw by the wayside. Nobody turns their back on my brother. We're going to find our best, and I'm coming home. I knew what I was doing. I stepped right up. I was going to be the hero who saved TNA. I love you, Hulk, but I need your endorsement. And he needs your endorsement. Everybody does. I know you don't love me. You might even hate me, but you got to respect me. I'm putting my hand out. Shake my hand. I'm your guy, Hulk. Shaking the hand of the immortal Hulk Hogan. That's when I looked into your eyes and I knew I had you. That's the moment that you had signed Impact's fate. Sting and I bonded. We became best friends like brothers. We even used the table. I let him use the table, which just so happens to be how we lost at Bound for Glory. I lost at the hands of my own brother, my blood, my partner. I was devastated. I was so low. I didn't know what to do. Do you see my rage? It ended up costing us. And one by one, each member of the TNA roster got taken out. So then I set my sights on the next step of the plan. But oops, I got caught. I ain't stupid. I knew exactly how Hulk would react. The beautiful girl brings home the bad boy. No daddy wants his little girl to be with a guy like me. And the more Hulk told Brooke no, the more Brooke said yes. Brooke, as soon as I had you, I knew this would happen. Hulk, I was in. Oh yes, I was. And there's nothing you could have done to stop it. So, Bully Ray spins the narrative the way that he sees fit. And he's showing his side of the story, not only as the good guy extending the hand that would 
supposedly go on to, I'm going to put this in air quotes, extending the hand, rather, um, that would supposedly go on to, um, help, in air quotes, um, the Impact Ross, the Impact Wrestling roster, when in fact, he wasn't there to help them. He was there to be their deprement this entire time. He played both the, the bad guy and the good guy. He allowed himself to be both vulnerable as well as allowed himself to be um, the, the upstanding gentleman. You know, not only was he vulnerable and the gentleman, but he was also the, the crooked thief. Uh, he was so, I swear, watching this, it's almost like he's the evil genius behind everything, you know? Because, and if you even look back at, at f even further, he said that Devon was the guy that Hulk Hogan had practically just turned his back on, and who better... To take out, you know, everyone that you love rather than Devon. And then once Devon comes out to the ring, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably didn't see the clip. Devon comes out to the ring. I'm pretty sure Bubba comes to the rescue. You know, he's like, da 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 Because, of course, Devon is, you know, the, um, one of the guys from Aces and Eights. So... He, he gained Hulk Hogan's trust. He basically looked him in the eyes and said, Your daughter, she's safe with me. And at the same time, he was talking behind Brooke's back. At the same time, he was talking behind Hulk Hogan's back. At the same time, he was still the guy who was... uh, Like, they showed a clip where Austin Aries or... One of the locker room uh, officials walking in on on Bully Ray while he's being spotted kissing Brooke Hogan, and he said, and then once I knew that the more that um you know it's it's kind of like that rebellious teenage phase, but once again I bring to I bring to light the fact that Brooke's probably like you know twenty five and Bully's. Bubba Ray, he's probably like 40, maybe, at this point in time. I mean, he's no spring chicken, but I, I, I just, I'm conflicted here because this comes off a little bit creepy-ish, stalker-ish, you know, maybe-ish. Um, but at the same time, this Romeo Juliet that he's playing, but also this Jacqueline Hyde that he's playing. Do you see how many layers are in are in this story here? And this is beautiful, beautiful storytelling by Impact Wrestling. They're really bringing together everything forward, and throughout the night, like I said. Just like throughout the night of this podcast, I'm going to be um, recording each and every one of these segments, putting it on my podcast 
uh, this episode here, some of you might find that a little bit lazy, you know, because I'm just filling time with it, then just giving commentary on it. But not only that, but I'm also recording the wrestling that's going into it. But um, what I mean to say is, this is <laughs> exactly what a true villain looks like. True villain would look you in the eyes and tell you you've got nothing to worry about. Shake my hand and then you'll believe them. And the next thing you know, everything you've ever known gets burned to the ground like that. But see, he's not like the true villain, is he? Because it didn't take him five minutes to burn something to the ground like I previously mentioned. been a while since we've had that happen but um three o'clock in the morning and someone's just coming through the door so I do apologize for that dead silence there ladies and gentlemen that's that's on me for not you know being somewhere else other than my house <clears throat> that's my fault I do apologize for that um silence uncomfortable amount of silence however um what i mean to say is it didn't take him five minutes to burn something to the ground like i'd previously mentioned he planted the seeds so that it took him as in his own words nine months if there's 52 weeks in a year and there's three weeks possibly maybe four weeks or uh, three and a half weeks in each uh, month. Yes, there would have to be four weeks in each month, right? So, uh, I can't really do math right now. Nine weeks, 18, because nine times two is 18. 18 times two is, what, 36 weeks? 36 weeks of professional wrestling? Each and every week having something planted in the minds and insecurities. And you don't know who to trust. You know, this is almost like the Triple H Stephanie McMahon that I mentioned earlier. The Triple H uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley McMahon regime meets the... um Crap, I had something. The NWO... You know, because there's this powerful group and they're taking over and, you know, the leader has almost like managed to get in bed with the the boss's daughter. You know, like you don't see stuff like that coming. He just he earns the trust. He earns the and the whole time that he's fighting and I'm putting that in air quotes, the uh, uh, opposite uh, 
the opponent, you know, he's working with them at the same time. What manipulation, you know? The the goal of some people to manipulate a narrative and a story to make it as though that it's seen through their eyes instead of yours or you know it's it's weird it's it's honestly so weird there that this could be conskewed in any different way that you see fit to put it in that context you know i could say that it was the job that i lost two or three weeks ago um you know that they spun a narrative that i've done something that i haven't which i mean i hate to be this person but if they're listening you know this is not sour grapes it's not at all um i'm not mad about it and if i am then as i said previously i've been looked in the eyes many different times as a child and told no one cares what you think your opinion is irrelevant and you are but a child and you know that was just upsetting and then I was like okay and that stuck with me like my entire life no one cares what you think and for that matter like emotions don't get me anywhere you know if I'm mad at them what am I going to do you know, please answer that. What am I going to do? Because I'm not about to make any sort of empty threat or say, what am I going to do? Show up with a weapon, insert weapon here. You know, like that's not going to solve anything. You know, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not going to be like Hulk Hogan. What are you going to do, brother? When these 16-inch pythons go wild on you. (laughs) That's not what I'm going at. But I mean to say is that I'm going to continue to live my life. And I'm going to continue to do this show. Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, episode 90. And, um, even though this is not the intro and this is not the outro, I'm almost certain this is not the outro because I'm not going to end it here. I've still got 45 minutes of professional wrestling to go through and some other note segments to take before this episode is complete. I simply felt as though that I should put that in there, that, you know, this is episode 90, my name is Mocha, this is the Gut Wrench Podcast, thank you all for joining me, because this is the end of a segment and I don't know how to close it off because I am socially awkward and for that matter I'm also um, ADHD and bipolar. Club ain't.
couple of guys who felt like they were wronged. Doc and Nux, they became the muscle, the hard hitters. Devon, he came to you to help you the same way Garrett did. I owe you. I want to let you know that we've got your back no matter what. We're here for you. All you got to do is let us know. I know who you are, my brother and Garrett. I know what you're all about. Trust me, we got this one. This is ours. Thank you, though. Garrett even came to you to help. When you were trying to get rid of his old man, Garrett stood by your side. What'd you do? You just brushed them off like a nobody. I think everybody knows how I feel about Devon. I didn't want things to go down this way. Garrett, why do you feel you should sit in this room with these three other guys that have more experience than you? Day one, I've been kicking my ass trying to prove myself around here. Devon saw something in me to take me under his wing, and he, even he gave me an opportunity. Well, that's why you're in here. Devon saw something. I need to see that same thing. The short amount of time you've been in this business, you've been on a roll. But right now, it's not your time, my brother. It's not your time. You want to be a pro wrestler like your dad. Even Wes Briscoe. Remember, Hulk, his father and his uncle helped train you. Well, I've been training, working hard, and I was hoping maybe I'd get a chance. And what'd you make the kid do? You made him beg. I have no idea why Aces and Aces is coming after me. Kurt, we got your back. We're there for you. What about when Anderson got taken out? What'd you do? I do recall what happened the last time when we met. Just outside the impact zone, then Anderson down. And Anderson's like it's Anderson. Did you check on him in any way? No. Anderson joining the Aces and Eights was a no-brainer, Hulk, because he's got it out for you. Do you see what's going on? You picked Anderson over me? Shake my hand. I'm your guy, Hulk. You got it, brother. I think if we make him part of this club, man, I think we got him. I really enjoy your recruitment process. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> You're gonna form a gang. You want some leverage. You turn to one of your best friends, Taz. How can I pass up on the opportunity to live by the vision of a higher power? You know, my contract says that I'm friggin' bulletproof. What are you gonna do when your world title is gone? Look at that guy. Who is that masked man? Who is that guy? Newsflash, morons. It was me. D'Lo was another no-brainer. He's been on the inside the whole time. D'Lo is a part of the TNA office. He's got access to all of the secrets. And now they don't care if it's women or men. You could be next. I'm looking over my shoulder at home. I have dealt with guys like this in the past, and they're all about just trying to make us scared. And if we don't put this fire out, it could be something that we can't stop. Let their asses in. And we How do we find that? Let them in. Open the doors up We wanted to embarrass everybody in TNA. And Kurt, you were the first. You got the first dart. Aces and H just beating the hell out of Kurt Angle. Who's the victim? Oh, my God. Look at this. Hogan wanted Wes to earn his way into impact. 
So we just use you, Kurt. Wes Briscoe for the gut check. Wes was the first guy to win a gut check match. And who did he beat? Garrett Bischoff. We were going to make sure that Wes had every possible advantage. This kid needs a contract. He deserves a contract. D-Lo. Uh, you know where Al is. Come here. You know where Al is. No, I don't know where Al is. I'm, I'm looking for Al. I got everybody looking for him. I, I judge all the live event gut checks. I watch Wes's match. I, I, I can do this if you need me to. I can stand in. My answer is yes. Once we had everything that we needed from you, Kurt, we laid our trap. Got you locked in a cage. Wes Briscoe helping him out. Eric Bischoff, this is all a setup. You told me that I had to start from the bottom. Well, with the aces and eights, that's the ticket to climb to the top of that ladder. I would have never expect it from Wes and Garrett. Never. Once my world title match was signed, sealed, and delivered, it was my decision to make sure every member had been revealed. Are you freaking kidding me? Except one. And all that was left was the final part of the plan. You never saw it coming. This number one. So, like I stated before, there's a lot, and I mean a lot, of layers that go into this. Um, this whole uh, clubhouse gang membership whatever gang mentality whatever you wanted to call it but he started off basically by saying that everyone that was denied entry into Hogan's inner circle Bully Ray practically took them all practically took every one of them and then said you are my brother and he shook their hands and then he said you will help me take this company over, you know, and you know what they say, right? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? Isn't that the old saying? That's exactly what they did, if you think about it. If you think about it, sit there, dwell, it, dwell on it for a minute, you know, pause this podcast, perhaps plan C... Which is what I'm referring to this segment as, because it's what it's going to go down on as the uh, notes, so that I can put these in order. Plan C is exactly that. Exactly what he just explained. Take everyone who's been discarded, everyone who's practically seen as useless, and then, you know, Doc, uh, Knox, um... Who else did he say? And eventually, AJ Styles gets involved, but for his own reasons, you know. And then Styles promptly turns on them. But the the crazy part is just the gang mentality of, oh, okay, you don't want us to be in your inner circle, and you're clearly the the authority figure here. That's fine. I'll just go make my own clubhouse. You know? To This reminds me of a segment from Futurama where um, 
Leela and Fry are on the dark side of the moon, and they find this, um, they know that they're not going to survive unless they can get into, like, the, uh, hidden, there's, like, a hidden bunker. It's not really a bunker so much as it is, like, a space satellite that was left there. It's sort of like a space camper, if you will. And, um, what ends up happening is Fry and Leela get into it before the dark side of the moon comes over. Which, if you don't know, um, scientifically speaking, if you were on the dark side of the moon, you would freeze to death. But, what I mean to say is, that's exactly what Leela says too. Oh no, the dark side of the moon, we're gonna freeze to death. Um, then they go into it, and the next thing you know, you hear Bender... The next thing you know, you hear Bender, and then he says, Oh, that's okay. I'll just go get my own lunar landing with with hookers and, and blackjack. And then he goes, You know what? Forget the whole thing. And then he just walks away. He'll just go, go get his own lunar landing, you know. Because I guess that's what Bully Ray practically said to Hulk Hogan. He'll just go get his own clubhouse and... I'll just discard. It's it's funny. It's sort of like karma if you think about it. You discarded us. You trusted me, you know? But at the same time, I turned my back on you like you turned your back on all of my um friends on all of my um clubhouse members, you know? There's so many layers. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um I'm sorry that this segment's just drawing on and on and on, but it's so hard to articulate into one sentence. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is another segment that I felt as though that I couldn't do justice, and I didn't realize that I just got done talking about in the Plan C segment that you just heard how um how AJ Styles would later come back and join I didn't realize however that that was right here tonight um on this same episode that I was just trying to mention happened maybe I thought that it maybe happened 2 or 3 weeks or for that matter their next pay-per-view but no, it didn't happen. They just had shown the highlights of what had happened last week. Um, aside from the Terran Terrell incident, which don't worry, we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, <clears throat> whenever I'm calling the wrestling, you'll hear me mention something between Terran Terrell and uh, Gail Kim. It might sound out of order, but you'll hear me mention it. But anyway, um, the... AJ Styles incident. AJ Styles just got back, and if anyone knows me, they know that I'm a huge AJ Styles fan, or at this time, I was a senior in high school and I was a huge AJ Styles fan. Today, I'd much rather watch John Moxley than AJ Styles, but, you know, to each is their own, because AJ's still just as entertaining as he was in 2013, 
but I feel as though that I've grown as a fan more toward the John Moxley, Cactus Jack type of matches. And I feel as though that John Moxley's matches are more higher um, ranked than that of an AJ Styles match, even though Styles puts on a hell of a performance. This is an interview that was done, and I thought maybe it was, like I said, hate to keep saying it, two or three weeks after the reveal, I'm putting that in air quotes, the reveal that Bully Ray was the leader of the Aces and Eights. But um, this right here is the interview in question. And seeing as though that we're going on three minutes in and I still have yet to play the interview and my speaker might uh, shut off because it tends to do that if it doesn't have any, like if it's not being played and there's, I guess it's hard to explain if it's just on charge and nothing's coming out of it. AJ will continue to be silent even though um, Don West tries to get a um, or or not Don West I'm sorry uh, Mike uh, I'm drawing a blank on what his last name is <clears throat> but Mike is trying to get AJ to talk and AJ will not talk so you might hear nothing from one person but just be assured that AJ Styles is being interviewed at this time. AJ, I've known you for over 10 years. Hell, I've called every one of your matches in Impact Wrestling. And I've always considered us friends. But that being said, I've got to ask you about your actions in recent weeks. AJ, what's the deal? What's going on? AJ, what, what about the rumors? All the rumors that we've heard about about drug use and, and alcohol abuse. Oh, hold on, Mike Tenay. Mike Tenay. Oh, Mike. Oh, oh, oh. It's pretty obvious. You don't know how to conduct an interview when you're a novice at this. So step aside. Let a professional do it. All right, so AJ Styles, you know, I saw that video on you. You know, uh, cameras went back to your hometown there, Mississippi or uh, Louisiana, wherever the hell you're from. You drive around on your little moped. You know what? Life's about opportunities. I was talking to Bully Ray, the president of Aces and Eights, and all the boys. You know, we got a we got a cut for you right here. It's a prospect cut. You know, you got to pay your dues, start at the bottom, get the boys some beers. You know, work your way up. And you know, I've, I've been hearing you've been dabbling in alcohol and stuff and beers. So, you know, jump on with the real boys. Got a band of brothers behind you. It's about opportunity, AJ. And we'll get rid of that stinky-ass moped you drive around. Get your real bike. <laughs> Sorry, that men drop. About your damn luck. I don't like being interrupted. I took some nerve. You interrupted Mike in his interview. He's trying to get to the bottom I of this. I actually helped Mike. He was struggling with that interview. What the hell is Storm's deal? I know Storm's deal out. I'm sure he wants some answers. Absolutely. <laughs> AJ better stop staring at me. I am Teflon. 
So is this the new AJ Styles? Somebody who can't even turn around and face the guy that he sucker punched last week. Got your cool little hood on. Look at you. You're bad, ain't you, boy? That's all right. You can sit there and you can be the, the new AJ Styles with your new little leather jacket and your cool little hood. Because the old AJ Styles I knew wasn't the type of guy that would tell you to your face what he thought about you. He didn't give a damn what you thought about it. You can sit there and you can be the, uh, the new AJ Styles. But I am still the same old cowboy, James Storm. And you can sit there and you can think about sucker punching me again. I'm going to knock your teeth right down your throat and look at you and say, sorry about your damn luck. So, what essentially took place there was an interview between Mike Tanay, I'm sorry, I forgot his last name, I don't know why, and um, AJ Styles, where James Storm interrupted and he wanted answers. He wanted to know why he sucker punched him last week, which, to me, it didn't really look like a sucker punch, it looked like a clothesline, but, I mean, we're just pulling... I guess we're just pulling shots here at this point. I wanted to say pulling punches, but... And apparently there's been, you know, some sort of... I don't know, rumors? And at that time, I hadn't seen any rumors online or anything, but they're just stirring the pot. You know, professional wrestling will do that. Rumors of just, you know, drug abuse and almost like he's on alcohol. He said he was... for some reason, Taz mentioned every place that AJ wasn't from, the backwoods of Louisiana or, or Mississippi or wherever the hell that you're from. You know, you got it wrong twice, buddy. He's from Gainesville, Georgia, which apparently is a suburb in Georgia where um, they are <clears throat> quite the country, if you know what I mean. And I don't mean to, you know dog on Georgians or anything like that. 91% of my audience is from America, so I don't know what percentage of that is from Georgia, and I'm not trying to, you know, 
call you Hicks or anything. MJF, as a matter of fact, said that he hates his fans because they all come up to him and then they're all like missing their teeth and stuff like that and they're like hey, mr mjf i love you i watch you on tv every week and i'm just sitting there like you gotta be, you can't be serious so i'm assuming that it's sort of the demographic of aj styles or uh his type of people but anyway i'm getting off topic again i do apologize i talked about futurama i've talked about you know uh, and i thought that they would follow that up by another so that's why you heard a little bit more, you know, Impact Wrestling or whatever. Uh, subsequently, I thought that they would follow that up by yet another explanation from Bully Ray because I'm pretty sure that he's got one more explanation to make or that there's going to be some sort of... <clears throat> <clears throat> there's going to be some sort of reveal throughout the night. You know, who who is it that's going to win their fantastic Fatal 4-Way match? And I'll try to put the wrestling um, at the very end. So if you're listening to this, it's going to sound like it's out of order. You've already listened to Plan C, and I haven't really gotten to tell you, but the first three or four segments that you've listened to, I've put them in alphabetical order from how I how I named them in my computer, and then got them from my computer to my phone and then after that you're going to listen to me um call the wrestling that happened on this particular night so i practically gave you all the segments and the reason that i did this episode is because i didn't want to lowball my audience you know i gave some i i guess you could call it a, a piss poor episode just two days ago or a day and a half ago and um <clears throat> I'm not going to do that again, but this Saturday there will be another episode, um, but it will not be pertaining to professional wrestling, simply because it would be extremely hard for me to get an episode done now, and then afterwards watch an event that's two and a half hours long, if not an hour and a half long, knowing my already hectic schedule, you know, um, and then have an episode up Saturday for the following week, you know? So, I will do an episode here, and then I'll do an episode for Saturday, but it w the episode Saturday, like I just got done saying, will not be persistent of professional wrestling. I'll probably tell a story, or I'll, I'll have to juggle and see which one comes up, whether it's telling a story or whether it's, um... <clears throat> Whether it's um, being a DJ again, which I really enjoyed. So, more than likely, that's what we're going to end up doing. But I would like to thank you all for joining me. And the wrestling segment, um, if there's not another Bully Ray segment, should be about right now. Thank you all so much for joining me. My name has been Mocha. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap. Now, I am giving my outro, but... The episode's not over. Thank you all f so much for joining me on episode 90 of the Gut Wrench Podcast. Also, something else before I we transition to the how can people be so petty. So, last week before that episode that I did last week, 
before I got fired from my job yet again. Um, for some reason, now, my perfect score that I had on um, Apple um, Podcast, I had a total of 11, I think, five-star reviews. Now I have 12 reviews overall, and the 12th review that I received knocked me down from a 11 overall five-star reviews, giving me a grand total of 5.0 rating on the Apple Podcast Store. Apple Podcast, rather. Um, instead of that, now I have a 4.7. I have 12 reviews rather than the 11 that I aforementioned that I just got done mentioning. Sorry, I hit my microphone. I don't know if you heard that. But I have 12 overall reviews and one of them is a one-star review. So whether it was the fact that I posted my podcast on Reddit for the first time and maybe it didn't go so well because someone got mad, butthurt, uh, you know, they got sad about it. They're, they're sad, sad panda, sad panda. <clears throat> or whether or not it was someone from my previous place of work, you know, how can someone be so petty? Thank you all so much for your support, though. Uh, for those of you who, ha who have stuck with me throughout the 90 episode, um, the 90 episodes that I have published, it took them 89 episodes. I, I don't know, what do they expect me to do, just quit? Oh man, shit. How, how can I go on now that I'm a 4.7 instead of a 5.0? You know, it's kind of like getting one small grade from that small from the, maybe that teacher that you feel like doesn't like you but once again I'm talking politics and you know it, stuff that's not very important you guys don't come here for that you guys don't come here for the you know oh they're being petty you know or whatever else thank you all so much for listening to that as well Hopefully you enjoy the preceding wrestling episode, which I will try to cover in less than 20 minutes. Because I don't know how long this episode's going to be. Plus. Jeff Hardy was rolling along stronger than ever as world champion. I think he even won TNA Wrestler of the Year. Enigma! Hogan, you didn't even trust me when I saved you. And I'm sure as hell you didn't trust me after you caught me with your dear, sweet little daughter. I get it. You did what you thought you needed to do. You are suspended. But all you did, Hulk, was drive your baby girl deeper into my arms. Come on! Brooke Hogan safely back away from Aces and Aces. I knew you would never want to disappoint Brooke, so I used Sting to lure you in. When I looked the guy in the eyes, 
There's something that's not right. You need to do this for Brooke. Your daughter's wedding on national television. I want you to marry me. This was the perfect opportunity to get you where I wanted you. Everybody wants to know why I didn't just reveal myself right then and there. But every good plan has an end game. And I would never pass up the opportunity to have my boy Taz make an impact. I know what you're all thinking. Bully, you got your ass kicked and Devon hits you with a cement pillar. No. You think Devon hit me with a cement pillar. Don't always believe what you see. Yeah, I took a couple of good shots for the team. Ain't you never seen good fellas before? The way I see it, everybody's got to take a beating every once in a while. And Hulk, I knew if I got my ass kicked right in front of your face, you would have no choice but to start trusting me. I bled! Burn your freaking respect! And then it was Devon's turn to take a beating. Devon knew his role in this whole plan also. And then an injury sidelined the big bad bully. But to make sure I got what I wanted, I manipulated the situation even more. Brooke had an entire week to convince her father to choose me. He wants to be just like you. He wants it so badly. And you did it. You're number one contender to go against Jeff Hardy, Lockdown, Bully Ray. And I played to Hogan's biggest weakness, his ego. I wanted him in that match so bad. We need one more guy. I think that guy should be you. I'm sorry, Sting. You got beat down. I had to take care of my family. Wouldn't you do the same? So there you have it. It's really quite simple. For nine months, you all got swindled. For nine months, I pulled off the biggest con in professional wrestling history. Do you know who I am? I'm the leader and the president of the Aces and Eights. Nobody can stop us. And nobody will take my World Heavyweight Championship. So like he said, for nine months, you got swindled. For nine months, he planted the seeds in... What a sly, sly dog. And you got to think about everything that could have went wrong in this case. And they took the long way out. Because Plan A, the segment that I entitled Plan A, which should be at the beginning of this um, show. I don't know if I said my intro or not. Um, but it's not important, really. For consistency reasons, I guess it is important, but, um, 
for this particular episode it's not really important but um if i remember how i put my notes in order for this um particular podcast segments but for plan a the the first segment that you just got done li- that you got done listening to to begin the podcast is what i'm trying to drive home he said that for 9 months he was going to almost like a magician unveil the biggest piece of of him just swindling the the wrestling world and like i said you've got you've got to think about all of the things that could have went wrong like what if james storm would have quit tna you know what if robert rude wasn't happy with how much that he was being paid being framed as the guy who was, you know, the insecure friend of James Storm, uh, having to point the finger at Storm, and then afterwards Storm ended up taking taking the blame, like on plan A, plan B, marrying Hogan's daughter. You know, how do you get away with that? How do you get to manipulate every situation to where... 36 weeks, if 9 months doesn't sound, you know, too palpable, 36 weeks, this man went on television and he practically hijacked professional wrestling to make it to where him and the rest of Impact Wrestling looked like they were the number one show for nothing more than ratings on television because you have to think about the people who are tuning in each and every week to maybe just catch a glimpse of half let alone all of what was happening like drama unfolding on a on a soap opera you know like oh man i wonder what they're going to do next who's going to be revealed as the next person who's involved in the aces and eights you know and it had to take some articulate writing, some articulate setup, and some articulate planning in order to have someone actually sit down with a pen, a piece of paper, and then say, Okay, Bully Ray, are you ready to play every role in this story in manipulating everyone to make you look like the hero when in fact you were the devil the entire time? You've got to be joking right now. I feel betrayed. I feel like I could take a piece of glass and then just munch on it right now, even though I probably shouldn't do that. And I would advise you don't do that either. But the point is, unless it's like glass candy from like Japan, you know, Japan, the Japanese have like this glass candy. I don't know what I'm going on about. But anyway, what I mean to say is that this was a testament to how professional wrestling should be booked but how they don't take the time anymore to actually sit down and write out a nine-week story let alone a 36-week times nine by four 36-week story nine months let alone nine weeks Because usually what they'll do is they'll test the waters with something. But not always. You see, there's some exceptions to the rule. Take someone like Matt Cordona, for example. 
Matt Cordona, who had nothing but Aaron opportunity to show up as Zack Ryder. But Zack Ryder, even though he was over, he was over in the WWE, he got himself over. He got himself to get the chance and the cheers and the praise that he got. But WWE didn't exactly put him on the stage to say, Hey, Zack, how would you like a world championship shot? Take Dolph Ziggler, for example. Dolph Ziggler, who, for one reason or another, got some sort of... Uh, let's be honest, he was always the loser. He would always lose to The Miz. He would always, even though he'd put on a hell of a performance, you'd figure, you know, you can't lose them all, right? Wrong. Not only was he the loser, in most cases, he was also the guy who... He could sell, like, really, really well, but it would have been good to see Dolph Ziggler have some sort of championship, you know, for longer than 12 or 15 or 18 or 25 weeks. It would have been good to see Dolph Ziggler have a championship, maybe even a storyline where <clears throat> he was booked halfway decent. Take our truth for example. Someone who's immensely popular within the WWE, and every time that this man shows up, everyone is smiling Everyone is always in a good mood whenever R-Truth is around, regardless of whether he is the, the subsequent heel or the babyface, the good guy or the bad guy. R-Truth puts tickets, puts butts in seats is what I'm trying to drive home. And if you was to take these three men, Matt Cordona, Dolph Ziggler, and R-Truth, and let's say that somehow you went ahead and put them in a match I bet you I guarantee that every seat would have blood sweat and tears in it because people would pay to see that especially passionate wrestling fans like me sign me up uh, here's my money you, you know you know the future I'm a reference shut up and take my money that's me right now you put Matt Cordona on a card you're gonna sell tickets you put R-Truth on a card, you're going to sell tickets. And you put Dolph Ziggler, at Hill Ziggler, on a card, and you're going to sell tickets. WWE, on multiple occasions, has dropped the ball on some main event superstars. And that's just three examples that I could think of off the top of my head. I'm not looking at my notes right now. I don't have any notes to really reference right now. But you want to know what hurts me the most what really irks me to my core is the fact that someone like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, I'm bringing it back around, ladies and gentlemen, this entire episode wasn't about Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens and it wasn't about politics. But the thing that really gets me the most is that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have made their name somewhere else. Ring of Honor, for example. And even though Dolph Ziggler got himself over without really the homage of WWE, <clears throat> Kevin Owens smiled like a doofus for photo shoots and said the following phrase, Package power driver, everybody. 
and somehow he's considerably considered to be more popular than someone of the effect of Dolph Ziggler, Matt Cordona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, or R-Truth. Sami Zayn stole R-Truth's gimmick and did it inherently worse than R-Truth did. Because he thought that there was a conspiracy theory against him. But none of us were laughing. At least I hope that there was no one laughing at that clown. And obviously he was a clown before he was, you know, some jackass who would come out and proclaim that there was a conspiracy theory against him even though there wasn't and he had no evidence to support any sort of conspiracy theory see he's doing it worse is what I'm saying um and he would come out and even the great the, the great Jim Cornette agrees with me on this he would come out with like some bandana that he cut holes in for eyes I think before he actually got a luchador mask and for some reason he would call himself El Generico like I don't understand what you're trying to do are you trying to say that you're in Spanish generic okay well if you're generic you can leave because the way I see it Professional wrestlers have inherent character flaws that make them take JBL, for example, John Bradshaw Layfield. Um, these inherent character flaws is what makes them shine. You know, John Bradshaw Layfield was so self-obsessed, so he was, uh, in a in a way, obsessed with himself so much that. You know, he was so full of shit that his eyes were brown, practically. And it was all about him. It was all about him. He could care less because he's better than everybody else. And speaking of being better than everybody else, MJF, for instance. Um, MJF, it, it, inherent character flaw is that he's so egotistical he can't see straight. You know, he's so self-absorbed, if you will. And he does it so well. CM Punk, for instance, you know, whenever he was a straight-edge society, he was so good at pissing people off. I loved him for it. The Miz, for instance, he can be your best friend one minute, and then all of a sudden, that, that last shoe drops, and then all of a sudden, what happens? He's your worst enemy. You were just cheering him five minutes ago whenever he said, How are we doing tonight, Cleveland? And then... You know, ten minutes later, when my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. You're booing him, you know? Like, what? what's going on here? My point, of course, is that, like in the last segment I said, those that you discard, those that you have thrown away, cast aside. And that came back to bite you in the ass, and now... You want it more than what you wanted it before. Be thankful for what you have. For what you have not. 
I, I don't know. It was going somewhere. You know, you, you guys, you guys get where this was, where this was going, right? And I felt as though that I made my point, but I just felt as though that I needed to hammer it, drive it home just a little bit more. <clears throat> anyway, that was the last Bully Ray segment, and now it's time for the Fatal Four Way, which you will hear me discuss in the next segment, or not the next segment, but at the end of the next segment, rather.